0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up, guys? Hope you've had a great time with the OBR this week. I think we've had a ton of fun episodes encapsulating how the Browns Put it on the Cincinnati Bengals 24-3 in the opener. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to any of those episodes you missed, including the most recent one where we looked around the NFL. Andrew Spade, Jordan, Zerm, and myself had a great time doing that. Check that one out if you missed it. Otherwise, today we have Behind Enemy Lines. We have a great guest where we will talk all things Pittsburgh, how they're doing this year, coming off that rough first loss, what to expect from them considering a couple different injuries, and we get a lot of insights on where the team is in a pivotal year for that franchise in Pittsburgh. So uh, enjoy today's episode. Let's get to it right now.
0: Watson turns, rolls
1: out to the right, looks open, touchdown! Harrison Bryant wide open, the tight end on the right side, and with 9-11 left to go in the ball game, it's beginning to feel like a break. All right, guys, welcome into the show today. Before we get over to our guest, as I like to do on these days, we shift to more Browns practice Berea coverage because, as you know, a little later in the week than traditionally because they play a Monday night game, right? So first real run-up with reports on who's practicing, who's not, injuries, so on and so forth. The big news is talking about Dewan Jones, right? He's going to be taking over at right tackle. The perception here is that he'll get every chance to do it unless he can't handle it. He is... More than capable. He's proven he's more than capable in limited time and in the preseason. And we just have to hope that he can handle it, right? The Browns are preparing for that. He talked about T.J. Watt, the immense amount of respect he has for him, but ways in which he thinks his body type and his style can help benefit him against him. And I'm just eager to see what that matchup looks like. So uh, Dewan, like I said, spent time talking to the media. I think he did a really nice job giving insights on... You know, his his ability to step in and play right away here. And, and on top of that, like I said, his matchup and the importance of this matchup, which is which is really great. Um, Stefanski talked too, obviously spent some time talking about uh, the importance of stopping TJ and Alex Highsmith, the edge players. And then just, again, I think between these two teams, there's just an immense amount of respect that you have to really applaud. Because uh, this is a uh, turned into, and I think over the recent stretch of time, the, there's a lot of split games in this series. Uh, the Browns have done a nice job balancing out what I think has been a, as we all know, a heavy Pittsburgh lean over the years. So it's it's fun to get back into that mold where with a competent Browns team here you can form some of those AFC North rivalries that we've all been hoping to hear. Right. So the focal point here will be a lot of what Pittsburgh is dealing with, and then obviously the talking point is how DeWan Jones can handle what he's up against. Right. Because that's going to be a pretty unique challenge. Stefanski talked about specifically this one for Jones. He said, "You know, dewan has been working constantly with Coach Callahan, Coach Peters, and Coach Decoster to get ready. There's no red shirts in the NFL, so you know you have that opportunity that's going to arrive, whether sometimes you're ready or not. It happened the first half of the first game, so you have to be ready. you will continue to get better, and then as it pertains to any matchup going forward, it's the NFL. Every week's going to be difficult. Obviously, Pittsburgh, and going into Pittsburgh is tough. On every team uh, that you know has to go into that place, so we'll have a plan. We'll move forward." Jones said, "It's a blessing. The only thing I can do is thank the man above. I wouldn't be here without him. He put me in this position. When he puts you in this position, you have to take advantage of it." He said, "I've got to really thank Coach Callahan. He got me to the point where I'm ready now. It's only just the start. I got a lot of work to do, a lot of improvements." He said about TJ Watt, "Great player. I've been watching him on film nonstop. Had to be up to the top of it for sure this week. You know, so he has so many moves in his arsenal." He said. It's like a, it's kind of like a rerun of my junior year. Not much experience. Went against a very elite rusher when he went against Aiden Hutchinson. Michigan, just like my junior year, he said I was going against Aiden. Just had to step up to the plate. He said, I think they'll probably put him a majority on my side, which they do. Pittsburgh puts him pretty consistently over the right tackle, right? So he, he knows that. He's got to be prepared for it. He said, they're trying to definitely make me a target, but i got to step up to the plate, step up to the challenge. But they do have packages. They're going to move him around some. They slide him inside a little bit here and there. He said, um, "I felt prepared. The vets make sure I know everything when I'm leaving the meeting room. Our coaches, as well as Coach DeCoster, uh, give me a chance to get better during that downtime. Make sure I know everything. So that's uh, that's the focal point, right? We're going to be talking a lot about Dewan Jones, T.J. Watt, the Alex Highsmith, and Jedrick Wills battle will also be certainly a part of the the uh, effort here. The things. I mean, Alex Highsmith was neutralized because of Trent Williams in Week One for San Francisco." And, um, you know, with respect to Jed, he's not at that level, and uh, he's not going to erase Highsmith. So that's a part of things we'll have to be prepared for. Alex Highsmith's always played the Browns tough. If you're missing Cam Hayward, they're going to rely on their edge guys a ton to make a difference. So moving forward, the injury report comes out. Uh, Juan Thornhill, Maurice Hurst, Shelby Harris, and Siake Ika all miss practice. Now this is customary, right? You don't hear about these injuries but as guys come off the field, as they start to recuperate from those Sunday battles, and they are battles, there are injuries that happen the day after, and they they take care of them. You're not going to hear about them the, the first Monday unless it's something serious, but there's always going to be some names that pop up unexpected on the injury report, right? So, you know, Shelby Harris dealing with an Achilles. He said it's sore, but I think he'll be fine. Siaki Ika, who did not uh, partake in the active roster last week, but I thought had a real chance to do that this week if they're going to see Pittsburgh run a bunch of power and a bunch of heavy personnel. I think they're going to try their best to do that. I thought he had a chance to play. He's dealing with a foot issue. He was limited. And um, I'm sorry, actually he did not practice. Neither of those two guys practiced. Jedrick Wills was limited. Hurst with a hamstring was limited. And then Juan Thornhill still getting back ready from his calf. Also uh, in a limited role. So, Hurst, like we said, hamstring doesn't also seem all too serious, but they're being very careful. A lot of veteran rest days. You'll see this early in injury reports for the Browns this year where Miles, Amari Cooper, some of those those guys are are certainly going to get time to recuperate, get their bodies right, because you need them at their best on Sunday and killing them early in the week in practice is not necessary. Stefanski said Thornhill's day-to-day, still hoping to get him back. Browns brought back Tommy Togi'i, so you could be seeing like a Tristan Hill, Tommy Togi'i active scenario possibly, uh, if that comes to, uh, if it comes to fruition, uh, if the if, say Shelby Harris and, and Ika are not ready to go, you know, on top of Reese hamstring, just just something to pay attention to when they brought back Tommy Togi'i. So, um, kind of funny in the numbers game, Tommy Togi'i was 93, Shelby Harris took 93 when Togiai was cut. Now Togiai comes back. He takes 97, which is formerly Shelby Harris's number uh, when he was first with the Browns You know, before they moved on from Togia. Just kind of ironic. So the other piece of information about numbers, I know you're all very interested in the number game. Uh, Ty Nseke is going to wear, and I listen, I thought it was Nishiki. I, I'm totally botching that. It's Nseke. So he is going to be number 72 for the Browns this year. So take that down. Put in your programs when he is active, comes off the practice squad. That's the number he'll be wearing. Again, Michael Dunn was promoted to the active roster, which you guys know. Uh, Besides those names earlier, working on the side, and these are your vet rest guys, Joel Batonio, Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, Anthony Walker keeping those guys prepared. We're going to talk about all things injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers when we get with our guest in just a moment. Other little pieces of noteworthy news. In case you missed it, the Browns broke out the white helmets that they'll be wearing for the all-white uniforms this weekend. They look pretty clean. I like them. It's going to be a good variation to the uniform traditional stuff that they have. So they've just really honed in the uniforms to perfection over the last three years. That's been pretty cool. Happy birthday to Deshaun Watson. Turns 28 today. Um would well, be Thursday, not your Friday here, but he turned twenty-eight on Thursday. So the Browns will practice Friday and Saturday in Maria. They'll travel to Pittsburgh on Sunday, be there ready to go, stay overnight, and uh pop in for Monday Night Football. It's gonna be a great game, gonna be a massive game. The Browns can start two and in the division, man. That is uh that would be pretty cool. First time they have would have done that since ninety-three, the two and start. We've talked about it a lot. Let's hope they can get it done. We have to learn everything about Pittsburgh, though. Nick Fairball joins us. Nick has been on this show many times. Does a great job. He hosts uh, his own podcast. He does Steelers and uh, Pitt University writing for Pittsburgh Sports Now. He's just very active uh, in the Pittsburgh scene, and he's gotten better over time. I, I've told him this to his, to his face. Like when we first started doing this years ago, he has improved so much. Man, he's one of my favorite guests for any team that I get on this show. So really any time spent with Nick to learn about the Steelers is great. He has awesome insights. He's going to give you everything you know about how the Browns are going to have to prepare for Pittsburgh what Pittsburgh is likely to do to make up for some injuries how they might attack the Browns on offense and then how those veterans are settling in after a rough week one so great stuff here from Nick let's get over to that interview with him right after a quick word from our sponsors
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. Listen, the Browns have the Titans coming in in week three. There's a chance these guys could be 2-0 and coming back to Cleveland for a home game. You should be looking ahead at buying those tickets, and game time is the right place to do it. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Nick, happy to have you here, man. Ready to talk Brown Steelers. It is early and then mid-season. Sometimes these flip like the Browns get the... Bengals to open and close the year I don't I think that's just such a wide variance I like getting a team in the division early and getting them in the middle of the year and I think that gives at least middle to late it gives you a better feel for you know where teams stand because it it doesn't allow the wide variance and in like the end of the year right the week one variance is wild and then week 18 is just a wild card you know what I'm saying so in the middle of all that it gets a little bit more fun to see which teams are better and I think this has a chance to be a really good matchup so what we should do Nick is talk through Week one. Right. I think expectations through the preseason for Pittsburgh got pretty high and they dominated preseason across the board. A lot of people are picking them. And I would imagine you felt that, too. You felt optimistic going into the first week. And then this game happened. So talk me through big picture. We're going to get granular and talk roster in a bit. But like big picture, what happened to lead to the result you saw
3: week one? Yeah, I think there's three things that really happened. I think one, I think Kenny Pickett really just kind of collapsed within himself. Um, just completely, um, accuracy, decision-making pocket presence. Um, if you want to name it, he was not good at it. Um, and I think that was the worst day. And I, I said this kind of in my articles, podcasts all week, I said, that's the worst day I've seen him have training camp, preseason OTAs, mandatory minicamp, last year's minicamp, last year's games. I think that was the worst day I think he's ever had as an NFL player. He was just completely off except for that two minute drive. Um, and usually is a very accurate quarterback. So I think that was the first thing that went wrong that kind of led to the offense just getting out of itself. The receivers kind of getting jittery, the offensive line, having to pass protect for over 40 snaps when they're not going to be a great pass-protecting unit against the likes of a Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, uh, Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson, D-line, you know, with Fred Warner coming in. I think the second thing is I thought the defense was terrible with communication. I, I think that was unexpected because, yes, they have new faces, But all the new faces are veterans, right? Patrick Peterson, Keon Neal, Cole Holcomb, Quan Alexander. like These are guys that are veterans. So they expected that to kind of eventually just kind of click, and it just didn't. Uh, Lots of coverage busts, I felt, on the back end that led to guys running wide open. Um, And then I think the third thing that really just happened, specifically on the defensive side of the football, was they lost in the trenches. Um, Once Cam Hayward really went out, they ran away from T.J. Watt, went at the backups there. Um, Pittsburgh was really down three defensive linemen. Lial uh, suffered a triceps injury and was kind of in and out. And Larry Ogunjobi was playing basically on one foot uh, last week and tried his best, but they kind of let Keanu Benton, Isaiah Loudermilk, and those guys going. So Pittsburgh was really playing with three defensive linemen uh, at some point there. Um, and so I thought they were just really sloppy up front, and then I thought the back end did not tackle well. So I thought – granularly I thought those were the three things that really kind of hurt you Kenny Piggott not playing well on offense the communication defensively and offensively I guess you could say as well um, some bad stunt pickups and chemistry between wide receiver quarterback whatever and then uh, I think three was just the up front butt kicking by the 49ers in the run game specifically that allowed Christian McCaffrey to really dominate.
1: So let's dig in on the big news, right? The, the injuries to two, I think, you know, you can't really argue it at all. They're, they're important players, right? So you lose uh, both Deontay Johnson and um, Cam Hayward. I want to talk through how you adjust. So you lose Johnson. What is 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 plan B as simple as now Calvin Austin gets more snaps? And what does that do to this offense without Deontay?
3: Yeah, I think it is. I think Calvin Austin's going to, play a lot and I think they really like him and despite his size you would think you know with his size if you were just looking at that oh he's just a slot receiver but he's fast he's got great releases and I think they like him as an outside receiver so I think he'll play outside a lot I think it becomes a lot more versatile and what I mean by that is usually when Deontay's in there it's pretty much you kind of see what you get you know Allen Robinson's in the slot George Pickens is at the Z Deontay's at the X I think it's going to be a little different now I think they'll move it around a little bit. I think they kind of kept Calvin as that X for the most part in that game. And he can do that. He's good at defeating press, but he's a different type of route runner. And I think they lost their best route runner in terms of Deontay Johnson, just their best pure separator that can really beat whoever you put in front of him. He's beat great corners against him before. um, And he is a headache to deal with. So I think that's Kenny Pickett's kind of, you know, luxury target, if you will, with, Deontay Johnson, heavy volume target because he's always open, can run the whole route tree at three levels. And so I think you kind of have to figure out how you replace that. And then you have to kind of reverberate with Calvin Austin, how you use Calvin Austin for a full workload, because usually this is a guy that maybe gets 10 to 15 snaps a day, you know, gets a jet sweep here, there, two deep balls. And and that's kind of it for his day outside of his punt return. Um, So now you kind of have to figure out how you use his speed because it's going to be a big part of how you use a speed. And I think part of that is probably going to be more screens. I think they're going to get more manufactured touches. So probably more in the yak department. Um, I would imagine that Allen Robinson plays a little bit more outside now, and they're going to use him more as a chain mover. Um, Think of kind of how they used Juju Smith-Schuster back in the day um, as kind of that tough guy that can block and can do different types of things. And then George Pickens now as a wide receiver one is kind of interesting. I don't know how they're going to, do that. I don't know if his route tree expands. I think that they're definitely going to test whoever he's against. I think even with the, you know, in in this game with the Browns, um, where you have those three good corners, I think they'll probably throw it up to him because he's their best kind of target as an explosive play guy. But I think the real benefactor of this is probably Pat Frymuth. I think he ends up playing in the slot a lot more. They use him a lot more as a receiver. um, And that's what they did last week. He played a lot in the slot. Uh, Darnell Washington was kind of the inline guy that would block and so I would imagine the reverberation effect in terms of what this offense does at a macro level is this team plays more 12 personnel and goes tight end multiple Connor Hayward's kind of a Swiss army knife and does whatever he kind of wants. He pl- he's kind of an H back that plays running back fullback, tight end flex tight end. He plays basically six positions. Um, so I think they're going to be tight end multiple try to keep, create multiple gaps, run the football and then try to hit explosive plays with Pickens and Austin, and then let guys like Fryermouth and, and Robinson eat underneath. The
1: question off of that is Friarmouth health-wise, got hit in the chest it looks like, and then the other, I think, offensive name that's lingering here is a core the right, the, the tackle. The, he's in concussion protocol? Is he out of it? How, how do those two guys look going into this one?
3: Yeah, so both were limited today. Um, Today's Thursday. Uh, I think Friermuth is going to be fine. He said he was fine, and he expects to play. Um, now, obviously, a chest injury, whatever it is, I'm not sure. I, it's not too severe, but I think it definitely affected him um, in the second half of that game where you know he was feeling it a little bit. Um, and so I think it could affect him on Monday, but I think he'll play pretty much the full snap count because it kind of has to. Um, meanwhile, a core four in the concussion protocol did get a limited practice today. That bodes well for his availability, though I will say the wrinkle here is so far this week It's been Broderick Jones at right tackle when he has played left tackle all summer. So if Jukes Okorafor cannot go, it appears that it will be Dan Moore at left tackle and Broderick Jones at right tackle when Broderick Jones has not played right tackle much at all. It seems like that they really did not like what they saw to Dan Moore at right tackle at the end of the game last week against the 49ers. And so Broderick Jones is now getting trained to play both sides. And obviously that would be a very tough matchup for the rookie. But I think Okorafor probably plays and it ends up just being more in Okorafor.
1: What I want to get to is we know Najee Harris. We know Jalen Warren and Kenny. We know these guys. You talk through Kenny's struggles week one. I don't expect him to be the same guy in week two. I think he'll fix some things and have a good chance, a good opportunity, put it that way, to, to get back on the right track. Um, my question is how they attack the Browns, right? The Browns are unique this year, a little different than they've been. Very talented up front. And Jim Schwartz is doing some funky things in the back half of the secondary. I just when you look at it, I don't know. I'm not presuming that you've watched much of the Browns. That's that's a you know covering one team and watching another is, as I know myself, a difficult task. But when you think of it on paper, how do you expect them to attack? Do you expect it to be an eleven personnel? We want speed on the field. Do you think they're going to put Connor and, and Darnell on the field and try to run uh, to to alleviate some of the stress on Kenny and create some short stick situations? Um curious because, uh, you know, Deontay's, he's a player. He's a real player. He's given Denzel fits, right? And that is, um, you know, against Cleveland, he has been more than fine in his time uh, against the Browns. So I, I'm just curious how they change and what you see them trying to do to attack this Browns defense.
3: Yeah, I think they have to go tight and multiple. I just think it's their, I don't even know if it's a if it's a game plan thing as much as it is a necessity thing, right? You only have so many talented guys and talented bodies at some point. And when you're a team that has Darnell Washington, who looked so good last week, I thought that was like one of the very big positives they got out of last week's game. He handled Nick Bosa extremely well. And I think they have to do it to a degree because these tackles can't hold up against Zedarius Smith and Miles Garrett. And Miles Garrett's going to do what he does and move all around the front, go over the A gap, do different things there. Um, and now you have a lot of great players up front, Dalvin Tomlinson and others. Um, So it's going to be tough for them, but I think that they kind of have to do a few things to go 12 personnel, 13 personnel. I think it's going to be a game where maybe the Steelers try and kind of do what the Browns do a little bit offensively, which is go pretty heavy and try and spread you out a little bit, and then maybe complement that with some of the speed of Calvin Austin. I think it's going to be in 12 personnel. I would imagine the two receivers will be Pickens and Robinson. One, they're the two best blocking wide receivers that they have and two, I, I just think that they feel very comfortable with those guys and what they can do off of play action out of 12 personnel. You know, They didn't really get to play a lot of 12 um, against the 49ers. They kind of went to a lot of 11 just because they had to throw the ball because they were down 17 nothing, 20 nothing, very early, went three and out very early. So, I, I, I mean, they want to run the football. There's no doubt about that. I think we could even see them get into a little bit of multi-running back looks where maybe this team tries to go out to the boundary and – Think and they trust their blocking receivers. I think that's been one thing that Mike Tomlin's really talked up is that they feel like Pickens, Robinson, and you know, Gunnar Olszewski, who's going to play kind of a smaller guy, but they like the ability of these weapons to kind of get out in space. Fryermuth can stock block, certainly, Washington in space. They like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go multiple tight ends and do a little bit of different things, you know, jet sweeps. Um, they can do screens, they can do different types of things to maybe try and get some easy yak. And so, I imagine. They're going to kind of fuse those together, but I have to imagine in this one they're going to try and kind of work off that run action out of multi personnel, spread you out to empty, um, and kind of do different things to get Kenny Pickett a little bit more comfortable, and use the tight ends, which are the strength of the team now, and then you kind of sprinkle in the flavor of Calvin Austin, kind of however you think about it. Um, but I think that I I'll tr- I don't trust Matt Canada to draw up a great game plan at this point. Um, yeah, that's I the question, that.
1: Nick. What, where, where are you guys sitting on that? We love Mike Tomlin. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna be frank. Yeah. We love him. We view him in, in our circles at the OBR as one of the best doing it right. Mm-hmm. And he is. I love his pressers. I, I'm I'm probably some Browns fans off with this, but I just think he's the ultimate leader of men. But I think that there's it's fair to question some of the offensive hires he's made over the years. Do you think with Mike Tomlin? Not to get completely off track, your answer was great about about how they'll attack the Browns. I think you're spot on. Do you think with Tomlin, it is this tainted legacy of this guy could just never figure out an offensive guy? Like, obviously, he's won Super Bowl, so it's it's here or there. But what I'm saying is, he's special. But I feel like there's always been this like weighted ankle weights of like this this offense that they they've had talent over the years, but they've never been able to put a great mind to it. Am I wrong in that, Nick? What, fill
3: me in. No, and and I'll say this: um, Mike Tomlin doesn't have a coaching tree. Um, that's one of the weird things about a guy that is probably a top five head coach in the NFL and certainly one of the best leaders, if not the best leader of men in the NFL, right? He doesn't have a coaching yep. tree. Um, if you want to consider Bruce Arians, part of his coaching tree, Bruce Arians have been in the league though, for a very long time. Um, once he kind of broke off the Mike Tomlin coaching tree. Um, but you look at the hires that he's had Todd Haley, Randy Feetner and Matt Canada. That's three back to back um, to back offense coordinator hires that probably weren't good um Todd Haley great play designer I thought you know sometimes a bad situational play caller but very 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 hard personality to deal with Feetner kind of was just Ben's best friend and then Canada I think is kind of lost in the sauce um I know last week I didn't feel like Canada was the main person to blame but you looked at some of those play calls and you were like this how does this help your quarterback you run shallow cross eight times in the game you run four verticals at the eight yard line on fourth and four like some of these play calls are very questionable, and so yeah, it's a taint on Mike Tomlin's legacy because I, I do think, in large part, they would be a very, very, very successful team had they hired good offensive minds, and they would go deeper into the playoffs. I think there's no question about that.
1: Something I think about way too much is how good this guy is, captivating, never has a losing season, and then you know, the, the coaching tree you pointed out is fascinating. And just this, this, imagine if you had him paired with a Ben Johnson, right. Or one of the hotter young offensive mites. it's just an interesting wrinkle to his legacy, which is far from written. It's just something that sort of is hanging out there. We'll switch to defense now. Good job. Uh, kind of taking that curveball, Nick, my bad man. Um, I, I want to talk cam Hayward because the guy feels like he's been around since the mid eighties at this point, because he was at Ohio state and everybody in Ohio loved him. And then, He's been hanging around this division forever. Is he that big of a difference maker inside still to the point that you don't feel like whether it's Adams or Loudermilk or Leal or whoever steps in for him, they just can't even come close to replicating what he does?
3: Yeah, I really do. And you look at his on off splits in terms of run defense and whether you want to do yards per carry, EPA per play, EPA per rush, every efficiency metric, it is so stark to the Steelers. Cam Hayward makes this kind of D line go. Now, I think they'll still have plenty of success. And the reason is they have two great edge rushers in TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and two really good depth guys in Marcus Golden and and Nick Herbig. But I think the interior depth was built in a rotational kind of thought process. And what I mean by that is it was supposed to be Joby and Hayward kind of being the two big dogs. And because of that, now you're going to overexpose a guy like Leal, who is kind of a change of pace, speed, athletic guy that can really bend around the edge in short areas, milk really good run specialist. Um, you get kind of these guys that are specialized in these certain areas, but you can run the risk of overexposing them when the injuries come. I'll say this. I think that they have a very nice rotation to go with. I think it's, you know, it's a deep drop off, but these guys are good enough to make some things happen. I think, yeah. The big question to me is, and I think the X factor is, what did they get out of Larry Ogunjobi? Because I know Larry Ogunjobi at times last year destroyed games, and at times he was a complete non-factor. And the reason why he's he was hurt. I think when healthy, he was awesome last year. Um, when not healthy, he was just a guy that kind of just was running out there getting cardio. Last week showed some flashes. I think he's getting healthier from that foot injury, um, that he suffered in training camp, which I think is good. I think he could be a guy that makes a difference. I think the kind of hidden, the two hidden guys in this. Equation are Keanu Benton and Braden Fajoko. Fajoko right now on the practice squad. I expect him to get elevated Um, in this game specifically, the big nose tackle that came over from the Chargers. Great space eater for the Chargers last year. He'll be a big nose tackle. I think that helps the Steelers in this one try and slow down Nick Chubb. Um, And then I think Keanu Benton just had a great debut against the 49ers, played 29 snaps, kind of got thrown in there, wasn't expected to play that much, maybe 10, 15 snaps. And, man, he swam instead of sinking big time. I don't think the 49ers had an answer for him up front. So I think this is an interesting kind of rotation. It's a big, big drop-off from Hayward, but they do have enough guys to do different skill sets to where they can specialize it. And I think that's interesting.
1: So the edge guys are dynamic. We know that TJ and Alex, Alex gets a contract this off season. The Browns game plan here probably lives in getting a piece of them as often as they can before the tackles get hands on. I was relatively surprised, Nick, how few times the 49, they were pretty brazen how few times they did that. And it burnt them obviously now rushing against Trent is different than I cannot think of the 49ers right tackle. He's, a, he's an Ohio guy uh, actually. And I can't think of his name. Um, It's a little, it's a, uh, no, I'm talking about the 49ers. Oh yeah. Right tackle. Um, Yeah. He's a, he's like a union local kid here in Ohio. But anyway, um, what I'm interested in is if the Browns go that route of putting two on them almost every time that they don't have some sort of run action to help set it up because they can't afford it. I mean, you're talking about. The Browns' strength lies in their three middle guys. Now, DeWand is is a work in progress, and Jed just is as inconsistent as it can it can get one snap to the next. So, I think they have to go that route. So that eliminates some things that they can do in the passing game. And and when you look at this situation at corner, I know Brandon Ayuk got the best of Patrick Peterson a couple times. Ayuk's a nice player, obviously, but it seemed like Levi Wallace had some issues. It seemed like um, some of the new faces, maybe KZ. And uh, Keanu Neal struggled a little bit. So talk me through the secondary, and, and, and you can include the backers. I mean, Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts obviously are the new faces leading that group. But the back half, how did they play? And, you know, is I guess is, have things changed from your season projection of those guys? How do you feel about the unit?
3: Yeah, I thought it was a real clunker uh, in the first game. Just the communication among all those veterans. All those guys you named are, are veterans that have been in this league for a long time that probably should understand, you know, how to communicate with one another. I think they're not a very athletic group, certainly at corner, um, which when I look at the Browns receiving core and you look at Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper, you do think athletic, fluid. Uh, those guys are are kind of really, really athletic, but I think the Steelers' corners are very smart. I, I thought it was – I thought they overthought a lot of things. Um, you saw a lot of guys going out of their zones, trying to make plays – um, the very first touchdown, they were in quarters, and Casey follows the over route, leaving Patrick Pearson one-on-one on outside leverage against the deep dig. Like that is, That's stuff where you're trying to make a play reading the quarterback's eyes, get caught in the backfield, and you're just trying to make a play. Um, so I, I always think that those guys are, are ball hawks. They go after that, and that's a big thing. They're aggressive ball hawks. Um, but I do think that they lack athleticism. But I think they're better than they were last week. Levi Wallace had probably his worst game in a Steelers uniform. Um, he just had no answer for Debo, Ayuk, whoever was against him. Patrick Peterson, I thought, was a little bit better than the stat line will indicate. I know it'll read two touchdowns, but I, I thought he was pretty, pretty good coverage for most of them. Uh, the second touchdown was just a great play by Ayuk. The, se- the first one he slips on, and, and again, that's a coverage bust by the, the safety when he is supposed to have help. Um, So I think the safety room's a little bit of a perilous journey right now. They're both good players in terms of getting footballs, um, making interceptions and all of that. That's kind of what they built the secondary on was trying to be ball Hawks. Um, Maka Fitzpatrick was used in a very odd manner uh, last week, kind of playing near the line of scrimmage. He was in the slot. I think he blitzed four times. He blitzed all 12 times last year. Um, So he already is at one third of the amount of blitzes he had last year. Um, So they played him near the box and, kind of put Neil and Casey in the robber role and make a play still some free safety, but probably not enough. So I think Mink is probably going to go back to his usual robber role stuff. And I think Desmond King probably comes in in this week and starts to make some noise here. The new addition for the Steelers. They made him inactive last week because he wasn't fully caught up on the playbook, but it seems like he's getting there. And I think he'll be a Mike Hilton-ish player where they send him off the, the edge to do some blitzes. And I think they'll overload some of those edges, you know, when you talk about those guys going out there to help against TJ and and Alex, I think you're going to see Desmond King or Shannon Sullivan or Elijah Riley, whichever one of the guys they send, try and really kind of take advantage of that um, protection then in that area. But this secondary right now is, it's a little rough. They got to figure out their communication issues, and they certainly need to figure out what to do with Joey Porter Jr. He only played seven snaps last week. Um, kind of a weird mesh of skill sets between Peterson, Wallace, and Porter Jr., because you think of Peterson and Wallace, and it's not really press man, but that's what you think of when you think of Joey Porter Jr. with all that length. So I think they kind of got to figure it out. I think they're going to play a lot of quarters this year. Um, They played a lot of cover three um, in week one, Um, but I I think they're going to play and sit back a lot in those kind of quarters, two high coverages. I think Mink is going to be kind of the X factor here when he's back in his role. And then you kind of had the integration of Desmond King. So I think it's a, I think it's a vulnerable secondary. I'll say that I'd like the Browns receivers in this matchup.
1: Yeah. Talk through, you said, you mentioned Porter there a little bit. There's two guys I'm obviously interested. You talked about Broderick is going to get perhaps a chance. Maybe uh, we'll see if this weekend, but it was a, a interesting draft class. A lot of really fun names in that class. You talked about Keanu did, did her get any chance to play any edge in this one? And then and then how many snaps did you say Joey Porter Jr. had? Is he going to see primary reps in this one?
3: Yeah, so Joey Porter Jr. had um, seven snaps in the first game. Now, Mike Tomlin said that they wanted to get him more snaps than that, but the 49ers basically stayed ahead of the sticks the whole time. And Joey Porter Jr. only comes in in nickel and dime packages, but specifically the Steelers love their three safety nickel. And their big nickel package, so Keanu Neal, DeMonte Casey, and Minka Fitzpatrick are all on the field, which usually kicks Joey Porter Jr. to the sideline. Um, So he only ended up playing seven snaps, and most of those were in dime. I think actually all of those were in dime. Um, So that's kind of something to watch out for. I'm not sure how much the Steelers will play out of their dime package, um, specifically in this one. Um, I would imagine they play more base and kind of big nickel and try and get their slot corners kind of free or whatever they may do at a base. Um, But I think he's probably not going to have a huge impact on this one. Um, As for Herbig, he did end up playing about 15 snaps and really freaky betting from that guy. Um, Love Nick Herbig. Had a few really good reps in the first week as well. Obviously, the preseason was awesome. He took Deion Dawkins um, of Buffalo and they played Buffalo starters. Kind of honestly, he took them to the woodshed. Um, So that was awesome to see from Nick Herbig. The, the rookie class does play uh, Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig are those main guys on defense. Jude Porter Jr mixes in there and the sub packages. And then I think the main guy that plays in terms of snaps is going to be Darnell Washington.
1: Yeah. So let's close with this great insight, Nick, all around, man, really, really stellar stuff to to teach us about Pittsburgh. What's your confidence level? I don't like to do predictions. I'm getting away from that as the more of these I do. I just want to know how you feel like this one will go. I, I don't expect this to be anywhere near, the same result of the week one, uh, you know, result in Pittsburgh. And I don't think it's going to be the flip side of that is the Browns and how they played. I don't think it's going to be a wide a wide score on the scoreboard. But um, I like to ask confidence a little, How you feel that they're going to fare against the Browns on both sides of the ball? And then kind of just your culmination of um, your, your vibe on the game.
3: Yeah, it's hard to be super confident when you saw your quarterback play like he did. Um, so the confidence level has to be pretty low, probably like at a three, um, just because it's so – drastic in terms of the quarterback struggling the offensive coordinator seems to not be able to coherently put together a good game plan you lost your best defensive tackle and then your top wide receivers hurt um so it's kind of tough when you're having all these moving pieces i don't remember a tumultuous week like this for the steelers in terms of all of those factors so the confidence level has to be low because i can easily see you know, I, I know you think it's going to be closer, but I can easily see a very similar game playing out. Maybe not in terms of the offense. I think Kenny Pickett will be better. Um, and I, I think they will have a more success than they did against the 49ers. But I could easily see a very similar game plan happening um, where Nick Chubb just runs the ball and, you know, you get some open guys running and, and Mark Cooper has a big game or Dominic Peoples Jones and Elijah Moore eat and, and Joku's open and all of this. I could see that happening. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's a possibility that. The, the defense just doesn't know how to play without a Cam Hayward, right? Last year, they couldn't play without TJ Watt. They really never figured it out until he came back. Um, so I you got to wonder if that's going to be the same way it is now. Um, I do think that they do play better, though. This seems like a team that is coming kind of together as, you know, a, it's a wake-up call. You just got beat 30-7 to in week one a lot of those week one things that seem to happen, you know, I, I think Kenny Pickett's week one specifically is kind of a, off the radar, but how much better can he be, I think is a question. Um, so if the Steelers can get a run flow going and, you know, Najee and Jalen Warren can actually run the ball more than about 12 times all game. I think Kenny Pickett will look better just because he won't have to throw 46 times. And, the, and the, certainly I think the strength of this, offensive line, honestly, this year is becoming more of a run blocking group. So I think really that would help the Steelers a lot if they can run the football. Um, So it's going to be about ball control, I think, to a degree on offense and getting those yak plays to make Kenny Pickett a little bit more comfortable. But I think it's really hard to have a lot of confidence in the defense when TJ Watts coming off a nine pressure, three sack, two forced fumble day, and they really, really just got dominated. So I think it's going to be up to that back end and, and those linebackers to play a really good game. We'll see what, what the, kind of this D line figures out, but I think Cam Hayward's a massive loss. Um, I would take the Browns in this one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I could easily see it being something like 28 to 17.
1: Yeah, it's hard to, you talk about the confidence on your side. It's hard to, to sit here and project the Browns to win a game that they haven't done in Pittsburgh in the regular season in 20 years, Nick. So it's, it, there's a lot on both sides. I'm sure there's confidence and I'm sure they're talking about that. And, and, uh, you know, the, the vibe around just owning that. And the Browns have to get over that hurdle. And I know it's, it's just there. It's sitting, it's sitting there for both sides. So I can't wait for this game, man. And uh, it'll tell, it'll, I think it'll tell a decent story about where both teams are heading coming out of this one, whether the first game was a fluke for either side, right? Cause that's what we'll, that's what we'll figure out. So listen, Nick, as good as it gets, man, I, I really can't have a better Pittsburgh guest on and I, I love to catch up with
3: you later in the year, man. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Jake, as always.
1: Huge thanks to Nick. Always enjoy him coming by. Does such a good job. So uh, very appreciative of him taking his time. Just a reminder of how the weekend's going to go because we have an additional day. So we will do the usual Saturday. Big Browns thought. Look around college football. We'll do that with Andrew Spade as we always do. And then Sunday I have a bit recorded with Quincy Carrier where you're going to talk about how the Browns actually get this thing done in Pittsburgh. So That will take your Sunday podcast endeavor, and then you get your Monday game day podcast with Brad Ward, followed by your usual follow-up of the uh, after show, Twitch show, YouTube, or whatever you want to call it, and then you get your comprehensive breakdown on Wednesday. So we bump everything back a day. It will become compressed as the Browns will be back in action again the following Sunday. So it's going to be a long weekend, but then a quick uh, Monday game Sunday return, and there'll be a lot of jam-packed Browns information in this. We are on pace for a record month. That is kudos to you guys for downloads and listens. If the Browns keep winning, it will only perpetuate your desire for more content. I'm trying to give that to you as much as I can. As I always say on these shows to close out, please if you if you can and will join the OBR as you will not regret joining the best Browns community you will find online with unparalleled insights and then rate and review the pod if you have not done that. Just take a second of your time and leave a review. You don't even have to write anything up. Just a just a star rating will help people Get this podcast pushed to the forward so more people can find it just like you guys did. You're the best. I thank you guys for coming by and listening every day. Great stuff to come. Great content to come. Exciting weekend of football. We'll be here to cover all of it at the OBR Film Breakdown. Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic Friday, and go Browns.